Hi there, this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners. Welcome to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast series, where we feature leading practitioners and thinkers across connected industry and the broader technology landscape. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the Momenta Edge podcast. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner, once again with uh, another really interesting guest. Today, we have with us Fred Kruger, who is the CEO of WorkCoin, a, a startup that's employing blockchain technologies really to address the, the transforming nature of, of part-time work. And uh, Fred is uh, got a uh, enormously, uh, he's had an illustrious career in, in a number of different industries, but also uh, he's one of the most thoughtful people that I interact with on, on social media. He's uh, been constantly looking to uh, explore really the, the 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 shortcomings the opportunities and and the uh, and really the potential of blockchain and distributed ledger technologies since since I've gotten to know him over the past several months and uh, in this podcast we're going to look to explore uh, some some of the backgrounds of the work that he's done uh, and get into some of the topics where he's really one of the most insightful thinkers uh, around and really in, in in any capacity Fred it's 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 great to have you join us great thanks uh, thanks uh, for being here it's terrific so Fred could you provide a bit of uh, share a little bit of your background and and what all initially has had gotten you into the technology and the technology business well I'm an old-timer I uh, I have a math background so I went to Stanford for a PhD and uh, you know applied math computer science and uh, stats and then I went to work on Wall Street I was one of the first kind of quants I was at uh, uh, Solomon Brothers and the Liars Poker Days on the arbitrage desk. Uh, did trading. I was a, a prop trader for six years uh, in uh, the early '90s, and uh, and and have been building tech companies now since 1992. Uh, so I've I've seen many iterations of this stuff. I built shrinkwrap software. I built uh, uh, server side software, Java. Uh, enterprise software. I built a game. I built the largest game site on the internet in the uh, late '90s, early 2000s, called iWin. Uh, we had 30 million players on the on our site. Still exists the site. Um, I got into ad networks. I built four of them. Uh, the most successful was a company called Adconian, which we sold for a quarter of a billion dollars uh, four years ago to Singapore Telecom. Uh, and, uh, so I, I've, I've been watching technology for a long time and, you know, follow, trying to follow trends and be in front of the trends. Uh, I really decided to throw my hat into blockchain about in, in September of last year. Um, that's kind of when I, I, I really felt like I had a, an idea for an application that could really make a difference. Uh, and that was the. The idea of kind of getting into the freelance work uh, gig economy where uh, payment is facilitated by blockchain. And so that was, that was you know, uh, about nine months ago at this point. And so 
that's my background. Um, you know, a longtime serial entrepreneur and, you know, learning new things every day. This is by far, this is by, this is, I think, second to the internet only, the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life, you know. I would say it is second to the internet. The internet was, you know, the biggest thing. Um, yeah. But this is number two, you know. Well, what what is it that, uh, you know, in your view, I mean, as, as you had had you dove in uh, almost a year ago, but I mean, can you, can you talk initially about your, uh, your original exposure to blockchain and, you know, what, you know, what have been some of the realizations over time that have made you, uh, you know, realize, you know, really the absolute, uh, extent of the opportunity. I mean, that, what, what, yeah. what convinced you this was a, this was a really big deal. Uh, well, I, you know, I've been involved with like a sort of a small investor in Bitcoin, you know, since basically 2013, you know, and, and I was always very skeptical of it because, you know, I, uh, the, the idea that Bitcoin, and, you know, there was no really blockchain before Bitcoin. I mean, the, the concept comes, comes from Bitcoin. But, you know, when it was just a Bitcoin-only world, I was really skeptical of the argument that Bitcoin had was going to dominate the blockchain world because it was first, you know, and that it had this brand value of Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, why, you know, it's open source. Why don't you just make Bitcoin too? Uh, why, why is the Bitcoin coin worth so much than the Bitcoin 2 coin? So, you know, I just couldn't get my heads around that, head around that at all. And, uh, and then I think the thing that sort of, you know, kind of jarred me to thinking that actually this thing could become more than just a, a speculation vehicle um, really was the, uh, the, was Ethereum, you know, and that, that, that here you had something that could be used as a platform for other things. And it really felt to me that that was like, you know, something different than just this, you know, collectible beanie baby type phenomenon, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that, you know, I, I, it felt like a new, a new type of platform. And, uh, and I, you know, I invested a little bit in Ethereum at, you know, $18 per ether, uh, in, uh, you know, a year and a half ago. And, you know, just watch the sort of ether kind of uh, interest in the ether ecosystem grow. Got very interested in that, uh, and uh, but also saw a lot of problems with it. And you know, <laughs> that's sort of like I, I I dove in in kind of September, and I kind of realized that you know not not everything was 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 kosher in the world of Ethereum. Mm -hmm. You know and. You know, it's certainly the hype around the Ether ecosystem did not correspond in any way to the usability of the Ether ecosystem. Right, right. I mean, are, now, yeah. I mean, do you see, uh, I mean, there's a lot of promise that's been uh, articulated by, you know, many, many of the projects on uh, that, you know, that would are expected to run on Ether or, or run on Ethereum uh, using the, you know, the, the ERC-20 token. But, um, you know, were there, are, are there any, 
you know, ki- you know killer apps that that you see for you know for blockchain technologies uh, that um, that that have, you know, have really convinced you to you know to, to jump in you know with 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 both feet. Well, there are none on either. So one of the the amazing there's an amazing site called DAP Radar. And what they've done is they, you know, since everything's kind of out there on the blockchain, they've actually tabulated the amount of daily active users of the Ether blockchain, right? And the highest ranking uh, site is IDEX, which is a decentralized exchange right now, which has, you know, uh, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, Let's tell you exactly how many... uh, how many users right now? So right now, as of today, uh, there are well, 2,000 users on IDEX, and another one on this game site, FOMO 3D, with 3,700 users. But basically, you have a couple thousand users per day on the top uh, 10, you know, sites. That's nothing, you know. That so, is. Yeah. So well, one of the things that you know. That, that 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 should tell you is that there are no killer apps right now on Ether, you know. And in fact, I would say there are very few examples of an app that is running in any way associated with Ether that you would have your wife uh, slash mother slash grandmother look at and understand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I just I think it it fails the mom test completely. You know, you, you can't take any one of these apps, let's say CryptoKitties as an example, and sit your mom down in front of the CryptoKitties screen and expect her to buy a calf. You know, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So, so you know, I think, uh, I think there's some inherent problems with the entire ecosystem that is around Ether. Uh, and it really boils down to uh, there's a couple couple reasons why. One is it's very difficult to buy ether in general, right? Because mm-hmm. you have to buy it from a company like Coinbase, and you know, getting an account, uh, getting through your KYC, uh, figuring out how to send the ether, et cetera, to another account. Um, all that just takes you know days for the average person. Uh, then you have to get an Ether wallet like my Ether wallet, Mu, uh, and the experience there is really difficult. Then, if you want to interact with an app, you're going to need something like MetaMask, and that's a Chrome plugin, and you have to figure out what a Chrome plugin is. You have to use Chrome because you might be using Edge or some other browser. You have to then uh, create what's known in MetaMask as a vault just sort of a wallet within MetaMask. You have to transfer your coins from Coinbase to the vault. Um, it, you know, and that's just to open an account. And the, rea- the reality is you've lost 99.99% of the users who ever wanted to do it at that point. And, 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 and then when you do this, you find that every single interaction with the Ethereum blockchain takes two to three minutes. Uh, as opposed to two to three seconds, mm-hmm. and uh, it's 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 not really surprising that there really is no usage for such a system, you know. Um, so I think that you know a lot of these ideas are really good, like you know Augur, 
it's a good idea, you know, making bad betting on prediction markets based on, uh, you know, world events and stuff like that. People do like to bet. Uh, whether it's legal or not, that's a different question. But, you know, at least the use cases out there, right? Um, uh, you know, trading is a good use case. But, like, uh, you know, the, the implementation of these things where every little thing takes three minutes is just not going to fly. It's just, you know, people are not going to go back to the dark ages. Uh, once, they've, once they've sort of flown on airplanes, they're not going to take the horse and buggy anymore. So. <laughs> No, no doubt. And uh, of course, we've seen this uh, around the end of last year. We had this this crypto mania, you know, crypto asset and token mania. And we saw valuations go through your your classic you know, psychological market bubble. Um, now, right. as, as, as you look at layering that dimension of uh you have a, a tradable tokens or, or asset digital assets, you know, onto this technology. I mean, what's your view of how how that uh, that dimension of you know really of, of the of the story has has impacted the evolution of the technology? Because it is very different from AI or you know the internet itself, where the, we do have this this evolution of this new uh, you know type of asset that. In theory, is is uh, convertible back to, you know, a fiat fiat money. But it, this this is a this has been a uh, really classic market psychology playing out uh, with you know, brand new technology, and it's it's a combination we hadn't seen before. And I'm just wondering your your view of how how constructive it may have been, or or you know how how it, this it, it may be uh, it, you know an, an obstacle to the technology being taken seriously. Well, I think, look, I think it was phase one, right? I think, you know, you could even say, some people say Bitcoin was phase one, Ethereum was phase two. Neither of those have been mass market phases, right? And uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of people who have created their, you know, the, the fact that there is 21 million maximum Bitcoins does not mean that Bitcoin is worth a trillion dollars, you know? Uh, there's there's very rare things that are not worth anything, you know. Uh, there's some rare snowflakes or something, <laughs> or you know. Uh, there's rare there's a rare game that's for sale on uh, uh, eBay, but it doesn't mean it's valuable just because it's rare. Uh, I I think that the, these things need to have usage, and uh, more so than you know. I think there was a classic bubble about Bitcoin. But I think it doesn't matter because it really the question, the real question is, can blockchain achieve mass market usage? And in what form can it attain mass market usage? And I am now completely convinced that it will, and I think it will in the next 12 months. Um, I just don't think it will under Ether. So I think the, uh, I, you know, uh, I, I think that with, EOS, there is a conversion of stuff that's happening that is going to make EOS become the first mass market platform for crypto. Uh, so, you know, it's sort of like saying the Internet's bad when all you have is AOL, you know, or <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you have really fast pipes and you have Google and, you know, and then you have Amazon, Facebook, you know what I mean? So I would say don't judge it too quickly based on, you know, a bunch of ICOs and uh, Ether and, uh, 
you know, and where we are right now. Well, I, I, I think we're. Yeah. Oh, 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 go ahead. Uh, I was, I was, what I was just interested was, was to, uh, you know, tie that into your own experience as a, uh, you know, as as an entrepreneur, you know, creating technology, you know, based on the technologies that are out there. And I would love to get your, you know, your uh, some perspective. Look, on I think that look, we tried with Ether, right? We we took a very very serious look at what could we do with Ether, right? And you know, our, we, we're starting with the point of, can we build an app that has, you know, for, for, for a number, a million users, okay? And I would say my answer is it is not possible to do that on Ether today, okay? It is not. And the fact that the highest app has 4,000 daily users on Ether, just, you know, after three years and 250,000 Ether developers, tells me that there are major roadblocks right now with that platform. So, uh, you know, I, I just don't think, I don't think, I think the, the combination of having to pay gas fees, the combination of these long hash ether addresses, and the combination of the uh, transaction times make it an unusable platform for the masses. That, that's my opinion. Now, are they going to fix it? Probably, you know, it'll probably get fixed over the next, 12 to 24 months. Uh, I think that's a good thing. I mean, I think, you know, the competition's great, but I don't think that this platform works. That's, that's kind of my, uh, my view. So, you know, our, we've, we, you know, we've just been iterating. How do we get, how, how can we get, uh, you know, blockchain to the promise of blockchain, which is super fast payments from one person to another person uh, that are recorded permanently on the blockchain, how can we get that to work? And, you know, so our first impression was, our first attempt was, let's just do this centrally, send us, you know, send us Ether, we'll record this stuff, and then we'll send you back Ether. That was sort of our proof of concept number one. And then, you know, we, 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 we knew that that was not going to work kind of in general, and, and it just doesn't work because, you know, sending us ether, that takes forever. Getting your ether back, that's like sending it stand in line to get your ether back. It's it, it's centralized, it has all kinds of bad things. Now, even if the user interface can be made really great. Second uh, thing is, well, great. Uh, uh, now we want to do it wallet to wallet. Okay. Are we going to have, will that work with an ether wallet? Actually, it won't because you know, if, if every time I want to buy a service, I have to wait three minutes before the ether gets, you know, even confirmed. And that, that could be, by the way, an hour, depending on how many confirmations you need. Uh, that's just not going to work either. So, you know, we basically sort of said this EOS thing looks great. Is it really great? Let's let's take it. Let's let's take a, a really serious look at it. So we started building on EOS, and we realized that actually EOS from the inside is even better than it looks like on the outside. You know, it, it really is super fast. It's it's just magical, you know. And but then we realized, okay, how are we going to interact with the EOS blockchain as an app? Uh, can we? Uh, are we going to use a similar type of thing with MetaMask? Well, there is one called Scatter. Uh, that's a Chrome plugin, but again, that's you know, 
moving your money over to Scatter, installing a Chrome plugin, having it not work on mobile. We just felt that all those things were, were it just wasn't going to work, you know, from a consumer point of view if we did that. So we basically said, we're going to have to build a wallet into WorkCoin, and we're going to have to have WorkCoin have its own wallet. And so let's let's figure out what a great wallet looks like on EOS. So that's what we did. We built an actual wallet, standalone wallet on EOS, which is really the first consumer-level EOS wallet out there right now. No, that looks looks uh, it looks really exciting. I've uh, I've been been following your your developments there, and it's I think that's uh, you know it's, and, and, you know, it's like one thing to look at it, but I got to tell you, Ed, when you actually when you send somebody some crypto and it takes one second, and all you do is put their name and you say I'm sending to Ed 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 six times, you have to have a twelve character thing or Ed McGuire one two three four right, and uh, I'm sending. I'm sending, I put your name, I put the amount that I'm going to send you, I can put a memo for pizza, I hit send, I show you, I do my voice, uh, my face recognition, and one second afterwards, you have the crypto, it's just a magical moment, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like, it, it feels unlike anything that you've ever seen in crypto. Mm-hmm. If everything else you've seen in crypto doesn't happen that fast. And, and, and that- so I think yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, that is. I mean, that's really the the, the promise, right? The vision is that that uh, the idea of being able to send money over IP, as it were, as as Miko uh, yeah. likes to say, Miko Matsumura likes to say. I mean, that that really is this uh, right. you know, this I profound you, change. Once you experience that, once you experience that digital money, right? And the the next kind of thing is like, I'm not sending you EOS, but I'm sending you, you know, a stable. I'm sending you $56.23, okay? Uh, you know, because, you know, I owe you $56.23. I don't owe you, you know, six EOS. You know what I mean? That'll be the moment when people go, wow, you just, that's, that's digital money now. You know what I mean? And I can send anybody in the world this money. You know, Venmo doesn't work overseas, you know? Uh, I can send it in any amount. I can send a million dollars to you this way, you know. Uh, that is, and that is doable now, you know. That is like with this wallet and EOS, you can do that with a stable coin. It'll be doable. So I think once once people realize that, and then they realize that that can be integrated into a whole number of apps, where now you have this kind of digital dollar or digital yen or digital euro that can be integrated into any number of apps and that's instantaneous and cost-free, I think it's going to, I think we're going to see kind of Instagram level adoption. You know what I mean? And so I think we're going to go away from nobody's using this stuff to everybody's using this stuff. Um, and, uh, and, you know, that, that's what I think. I think, I think we're going to see that. And to your earlier question is, well, how do you redeem this stuff? Well, you know, if you look at some of these stable coins, they're now working with banks. Like IBM was was had the stable coin they're building. They're they were working at least with one bank called Signature Bank, which was going to be the you know you want to cash out, go there, cash your stable coin out, and it's on your debit card. You know what I mean? So now you have a complete uh, you know on ramp and off ramp uh, to crypto with the bank. 
and they're doing the AMLK right. They, your account's being verified, and you, you're, you've got a purely, uh, you know, you've got a purely electronic version of the dollar. I think that thing is, that has a lot of value to me. You know? Yeah, the uh, the I mean, this the discussion of stable coins, and I just for you know for the listeners who may not be familiar with the with, with the term, a stable coin is a coin that that is uh, that is pegged to a uh, a, a a specific uh, benchmark or valuation. It, it might be pegged right. to the U.S. dollar, but uh, it, it, the the idea is that it's not it's not a commodity that. Where the where the price fluctuates based on supply and demand, there is a uh, you know there there is an anchor of sorts, and uh, I, there are there are a number of approaches right now. I, I know that uh, you know, of course Tether was a was an initial uh, shot at creating essentially a a, a coin that was uh, in theory backed by. Uh, you know, one-to-one deposits of U.S. dollars, and I think there's certainly been some debate about, uh, you know, how 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 closely they hewed to that original vision. But would love to. I mean, you've been doing a lot of work on stable coins, and and yeah. you could just talk a bit about the uh, the evolution of of some of the options right now, and 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 some of the interesting developments as you as you as you see them for 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 stable coins. Well, here's, I mean, basically there's there are sort of three approaches to it, right? The first is what you said, tether, which is back. You know, you you have you're issuing a hundred. Well, there's $100 in some bank account that that is one for one with the $100 that you're circulating, right? And uh, the Tether did did this, and they definitely have bank accounts, except the problem is they aren't revealing to the world what their bank accounts are for various reasons. Um, and, um, you know, that that's sort of a problem because, you know, one— one can't be assured that they have all the two billion dollars that they claim that they have, and so there's you know there's some there's some kind of made-off risk that they're in fact you know not being completely honest about it and may have some of the money only there may be a hole there. Um, on the other hand, you know you now have things like trust uh, token true USD, which you know is is backed by reputable people. They're like transparent about where they're keeping their money, et cetera. And, you know, uh, Circle, uh, which is backed by Goldman Sachs, which is sort of taking, you know, another, you know, very transparent approach to this stuff saying, you know, we're, uh, you know, your, your money is, is good, you know. So that's, that's approach number one. Number, approach number two is to say we're collateralizing this stuff with crypto and, you know, we're going to adjust the collateral dynamically, and the stuff's always over collateralized. So, you know, there's approaches like that, and and one of the coins there is Make or Die, um, which you can you can buy on AirSwap. So you can just take some Ether and swap it out for Make or Die, uh, and you get stablecoin, right? You get a stablecoin. And then the third approach is more complex. This is more like a Federal Reserve model. Where there's basically you're you're sort of pegging the stuff to the dollar and increasing supply and lending and it's very complicated. And an example of that is a company called Basis um, that's doing that. Um, so there's a number of approaches. Uh, you know, 
the one I like the most is the simple approach of I got money in this bank account and you can withdraw the money, <laughs> you know? So one of the things I've, I've sort of said as a challenge is, you know, this thing must, must pass what I call the Kruger test, you know, which is I'm a consumer. I have, you know, a thousand dollars in stable coins. I'd like a mechanism to actually get a thousand dollars, you know, wired to my bank account with my thousand dollars of stable coins. And, and that's, you know, once, once we, once these coins pass that test, I think they go completely mainstream. And that, in in respect, is a, a huge barrier to to broader adoption and mainstream adoption of uh, of, of crypto, digital assets or or crypto assets, as it were, as 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 you see it. It is, but you know, look, it's it's it really all all boils down to: are the banks going to cooperate? Do they see an op- do they see an opportunity here, or is this just a challenge? Right? Because uh, I think the banks are going to. Cooperate. I think um, you know it's a big opportunity for the banks because the banks aren't in the business of taking in Bitcoin, right, or trading Bitcoin. This is not something a bank knows anything about. But a bank is absolutely in the business of uh, you give me money and I give you a certificate for you, you know, this money, saying that you owe this money. And if this certificate is in the form of a uh, of a coin. That's really kind of core to the bank's business, right? And and they're going to earn the float on that money. So I think, you know, it's a natural for banks, uh, and they can earn a lot of money just, you know, just like they would a, a checking account. It's a, the vir- it's a virtual checking account, you know? Right. And, with, with, and they can earn float on it, and it's great, you know? So why wouldn't a bank do it? And the, and the answer is, well, it's kind of, you know, it's, a, it's an existential threat to their system long term because, you know, if everybody's using stable points to pay for their rent and their all the you know goods and services and stuff, well, you know, checking accounts become a little less needed. <laughs> you know, cash becomes a little less needed. You know, if we have this electronic uh, thing, ATMs are less needed. You know, I don't need to go to an ATM. I just use this. I need, you know, I need to, I need to buy, I need to pay my accountant. I was paying with some stable coins. I need to pay my landlord all stable coins. You know, uh, I need to do payroll. I'll just put these guys on a, on a payroll app with stable coins. You know, so, you know, that's the potential economy, and it could be coming a lot faster than people think, right? Because all we need for that is we need the infrastructure to do it really fast, which is now in place with EOS. We need stable coins, which are coming. They're already out there in terms of ether, but they're coming to EOS, you know. And uh, and then we need, you know, apps to be written to to use these stable coins and move these stable coins around, like the one we're building, Workcoin. You know, we we sort of see that as moving stable coins, right? Because a freelancer ideally wants to be paid in something that resembles a dollar uh, or a euro or a yen, you know. That's what they want, and they want to be able to redeem it. You know, they want to be able to take that coin and and go to the bank and get money for it. They don't want to have to be speculating in some coin, whether it's a startup coin like Workcoin or even a more established coin like EOS. Ideally, they don't necessarily want to be in the forced into being a speculator. You know, 
right. they want to pay the rent. So I really believe that we are going to see with the stable coins and EOS kind of combo uh, and apps, I think we're going to see just a, uh, we we could see a, a, just a complete change in the in the uh, you know in the in the market and uh, and it may be a world in which adoption goes up way up right and at the same time Bitcoin goes down <laughs> right because uh, you know in that world do I really need Bitcoin anymore not really you know what I mean right. I mean. Yeah, then you get into the arguments about the uh, you know whether it's it's appropriate as a store of value or as a uh, a means of transaction, and 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 certainly you know, there's there's been quite a bit of ongoing debate about this. But the there is you know there, people have not they've had this debate sort of it's all academic right now, right? But like once there's actual once you can actually move money around like in one second, I think the debate changes color, you know, and so. I'd love to see the people who are defending Bitcoin and the whole store of value and everything else. Uh, I'd love to see it then de defend that in a world where it's so easy to move money around with some other system, whether it's EOS or Stellar, maybe you know down the road, or you know there'll be alternatives to EOS. I don't think it's a you know one person wins, but you know I do think that the future is a world where. You're going to be able to move stuff around on a stable basis instantly for very, very low fees. And I'm just not sure what the value of Bitcoin is in that world. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think we're going to move away from. Uh, I think we're going to the new metric in a year from now will start being will start to become how many active users do you have? You know what I mean? It'll be like apps or anything else like it was in the past. It'll be how engaged, how active is your community, and you know ultimately how much money are you making from that community. But you know, if you go to the app store, right, you know it's it, it it was amazing how how engaged. I mean, how many people have Spotify or Uber or Facebook or Instagram? You know what I mean? These apps are being used by just hundreds of millions and billions of people. You know, and so I expect that we are going to see the same kind of thing with blockchain. I think we're going to see apps that use blockchain that are in the app store and uh, that, that, that somehow use blockchain, whether, you know, whether it's to record things, to pass information, to, you know, to transmit part of information in a chain. Uh, and, uh, and I think they're going to be very, very, you know, very consumer popular. Um, so that's, that's what I'm really looking forward to is I'm looking forward to the consumerization of the blockchain space. And I believe that, you know, I, I know it's a, it seems like a complete long shot right now when you look at kind of into this apps or DAPS radar and you see all these, these, these non-used apps. But I do think we're, we're at the precipice of something that's crazily, it's going to be crazily high usage um, because EOS, EOS enables that. Um, so yeah, that's, no, that's I, my... That's no, my bullish sort of scenario, you know. <laughs> well, let's 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 talk. I mean, you've uh, 
I mean, you've committed your, uh, you know, your entrepreneurial energies to, you know, to 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 building out an application based on these, uh, and, and and networks based on these new technologies. I, I'd uh, love to hear a bit about the, uh, you know, the background of the of the opportunity around Workcoin and really, you know, what, you know, where, how how you have have seen this, you know, this unique technology addressing these you know secular changes right. in the workforce that are you know that yeah, are that yeah. are ahead of us so freelancing is just you know it is just a, it is it is the trend of the next 10 years okay is that we are all going to become freelancers you know and uh you know if you just look at the macro trend right we're almost at 46% of the U.S. workforce is now doing some form of freelancing. That's going to exceed 50% in about eight years. Uh, so most of us are going to be freelancers. And uh, and then the question is, how do all these freelancers find work, and how do you find the right freelancer uh, for for everything from you know current currently when you think of freelancer, you sort of think of a web designer or a developer. But there's a lot of other kinds of freelancing, right? And and one thing I think that's going to be really big is just advice. Um, you know, I need I need some legal advice. I need some accounting advice. I need some business advice. And I need to talk to a guy like Ed McGuire, who actually has you know uh, has has a, a background that I can check out uh, that I can. Uh, I can hire by the hour and maybe hire them for a few hours to, for a specific question uh, that I can that I can reference that person. So these, this to me is like an unsolved problem right now. Is how how do you how do you find these freelancers and how do you book them? How do you pay them? And so that's the scope of the opportunity. I think it's really boils down to how big is the freelance work opportunity right now and that is unaddressed. I think it's enormous, and I, you know, so so I think you know, what is it going to take to 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 crack that and to get all these people, um, you know, online on some system where it's sort of like search engine for freelancers, right? And I think what it's going to take is it's going to take a very streamlined payment system, and that's that that's the thing is like if if it's really just give me your credit card. Let me charge the service on the credit card, like with Upwork or Fiverr. Uh, the fees start getting really big, really quick, because you know you have three percent transaction fees both ways. You have chargebacks, you have fraud. Um, you know, it, there's just no way to to do this stuff um, instantly and electronically and irreversibly unless you're dealing with blockchain. So. I think blockchain, you know, the minute I sort of heard about blockchain, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be perfect for freelancing. And then I realized, oh, it's actually a lot more complex than than I thought, because, you know, if you're doing it based on Ether, then, you know, you've got to get, how are you going to pay for this thing in Ether? Well, you're going to have to have Ether. Okay, well, that's roadblock number one. How do you buy Ether as a buyer? That's That's a problem. Roadblock number two, as a seller who's finished a job, how are they going to sell their ether? You know, there's, you know, that that's a problem. Uh, then you have the time delays, and, and then you have all the fees associated with blockchain. You know, um, so it's it's you know like Coinbase fees and so on. 
So there's just a lot of there's a lot of intermediaries and there's a lot of reasons why it may not work. Now with EOS, a lot of that stuff gets changed. Um, so now all of a sudden you have EOS, you have stable coins. There's zero friction between sending you a stable coin when the job's complete, and there's zero time that you need to get that stable coin. And all of a sudden now you have something that's completely different. It's, it literally can be a case of I'm looking for a job, I'm looking for a guy who uh, who can help me out in this very specific field. This guy looks great. Let me put in $200 in stable coin to prepay for the job uh, for let's say three hours of work. And uh, now uh, the job starts, the work starts, uh, the work's finished, I rate the guy. I, immediately I'm saying that the guy did a four-star job, the guy gets the $300, and he can then take him to the bank. So that immediacy of payment and the quickness of payment and, and that could completely change the way people get paid. Uh, and that, that I am now completely convinced will happen with EOS. We can build that experience. And... You know, the, the first time we get all these pieces together, I think it's just going to be magic. It's just like when you play with this Lynx app, you'll see it's just magic. You know, it's just, you know, I, the feeling you get is like, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. And I think you're going to get that exact feeling when you book a job and you've got some stable coin in your account one second later, you know. And, and you're just going to be like, holy cow, this is great. I just got... I just got paid for doing work, and it didn't. I didn't have to wait two weeks. I didn't have to send a request to this employment company to do this. I just got paid. It's in my account. It's stable. It's great. I can work from anywhere. And that's what I think. You know, that is, I think, going to be the case. I think we we, we are building that system, and uh, yeah, and that that I think is it's extremely exciting that that's possible now with with blockchain um, and. Not possible three months ago, you know. Yeah, well, well, so, that's really yeah. What's so remarkable? Enormous. Yeah. What? No, that's what's so remarkable about the uh, the evolution in the in the in the uh, of the technology. It, it's just it's happening so quickly. It is, and I think here's the thing. Like, I think it, it's going to be. Uh, I really think that once people see that blockchain can be used for really fast apps, right? I honestly think this Lynx app is the first one. I mean, it's just a wallet, but it is the first app that hits the blockchain that you can use where things happen within one second. It's the first one. I mean, you know, none of the other stuff, if I want to show, if I want to demo blockchain to somebody who's, who's outside the world, I can't demo it. You know what I mean? But with Lynx, you can see it. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, obviously the heavy lifting comes with EOS, not with Lynx. But, you know, it's an all-in-one solution that just works, and it's fast. And I think, you know, I think that is going to be the, the experience of, uh, you know, just once, once people see that and they're like, oh, my God, I, then I think you're going to have a million people try to do the same in their area. And it, it's doable, right? So it's one of the things that I love saying is there's this great show called The Men Who Built America with Andrew Carnegie in there. And they built the first building in Chicago, and I can't forget the, the year when they built it using steel. 
And the next year, they built like 100,000 buildings, <laughs> you know, it was steel. So it's sort of like once you have the proof of concept, once you know that it can be done, you're going to build, you're going to see a lot of them. So yeah. I fully believe that, you know, you are going to see, uh, you know, there's 2 million apps in the app store right now, you know. Uh, I think you're going to see 100,000 apps on EOS that, that, that use the EOS blockchain, you know. Uh, it, it's just, you know, getting those first ones to prove how it's done, that's, that you know, that's the thing. you gotta, you got to show people how it's done, what can be done, and then I think everybody else will start, will start building some great stuff. So, you know, I think, I think we are now technologically at the point where you're going to start seeing this next wave of super useful, super consumer useful blockchain. And, uh, you know, and that, that to me is the exciting thing. That's why, that's why I'm, I'm now much more excited than I was before. And I think it almost has nothing to do with the price of Bitcoin. In fact, it could be negatively correlated, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I want, I want to see, you know, can these apps be built where I can, I can get, you know, right now there's 250,000 people on EOS, period. You know what I mean? And this app alone could, could get a million people, you know, I, mm -hmm. I know. I mean, I, I win has 30 million people, you know, and it wasn't as useful as this. It was a game, but just like a game app could get 30 million people today easily, you know? And so, you know, all it would take was something like HQ trivia running on EOS, right? And that could have a million people on it, like very quickly, you know? So I, I now think we've got the infrastructure. I think we're headed into the next phase of blockchain. And, you know, the earth, you know, what happened last year was kind of interesting. Doesn't really matter. It's like the new stuff is going to be built on the new technology mm -hmm. and start over. You know what I mean? Start over, rethink what you're doing because, you know, the old, the old way of doing it just kind of didn't work and uh, it doesn't matter. It was sort of a learning experience, but, you know, blockchain is, 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 I really think it's going to take off and it's going to take off in a consumer way. And, you know, people, people are not, they are not, this is not something they're expecting, you know, but, you know, Facebook is, I think Facebook is, is, is looking at this seriously. I think, you know, with Facebook, with Telegram, these are consumer level apps, you know, that are going to get involved in this stuff. And I think we are going to see, I think we're in 1994. You know what I mean? I think we're right before the it hit. I think 2019 is the year it hits. You know what I mean? Yeah. And okay. I think that, that's the year. That's the year where it's not people just investing in Bitcoin or crypto. It's the year where people are building on crypto. You know. Right. And, and just like any any technology that starts to hit those inflection points, I mean, it it, uh, it it becomes incredibly more powerful once you have networks of users. And as we've you know, certainly as we've seen, I know uh, there, there are a number of folks that have done uh, done work on the accelerating adoption curves of innovations. But the uh, Ray Kurzweil had a uh, chart that he put together, I thought was was 
interesting. I've used it in a couple of my uh, uh, my writings that show the uh, the amount of time that it takes for a new innovation to uh, reach saturation, as it were. Uh, you know, fifty percent of the U S. population has declined from uh, you know seventy five years in, in case of the telephone to uh, well, you know, just a just a just a few years in in, in the case of, of social media, and uh, it just gets it. Just just accelerates, and and this, I, I I think you're right. It, once once we hit that inflection, it's. If you look at stuff like Snapchat or WhatsApp or Instagram. These things, these things hit a billion users or close to it very quickly, right? So you know, I, and you know, I think I think we, I think we're going to be there. You know, I think we're. I, I think I think the EOS thing has all the right elements. I don't think it's perfect, you know, but I think it has all the right elements and. You know, the next version of EOS or the next blockchain that builds and competes with EOS is going to have, is, you know, blockchain is going mainstream. That's that's what I think. And, you know, from my perspective as an investor also, you know, and and, and as a user, I want to see, I want to see, I kind of feel like I'm at the app store right before the app store opened up, you know. And I think there's just going to be, you know, if you remember that was exactly the time when Uber started. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was all these great apps that really, and, he, and really even Facebook, right? It's like Facebook really blew up with the mobile, right? And I think, you know, I feel like, I think a consumer level blockchain is going to enable a whole rush of consumer apps that use this blockchain or, or other blockchains, but... You know, I think I think EOS has this just amazing shot at being the you know the app store for the world for blockchain. You know, and uh, and, and and so I want to I would like to I would like to see apps that just I can use. You know, that that are that are that I can take out, use it, and go, wow, that was great. You know, and have that same experience the same time I use Shazam for the first time, or you know, Spotify or something. You know. Right. Right. Or Facebook, you know, or Instagram. So, I think the question is, what can we do now? What can we develop on the blockchain that's genuinely useful? You know, even at, even with small network numbers, uh, you know, and then and then as you say, you throw in the network effect, and boom, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, imagine looking, you know, just in an app like Workcoin. You know, it's going to start out. There won't be very many people, but you'll be able to transact. But then eventually, you know, it should be the case where I just type in Stanford economics and I can see four people who are in the graduate program in economics at Stanford who want to do work, you know. <laughs> How great would that be, you know, and click. Two of them are online and, you know, they're available for 100 bucks an hour. And I just click and I hire them and I give them some work and they do the work and they get the coin, you know. Now, do you think uh, – I was just going to say, do you think that the um – uh, I mean, there have been some regulatory uh, uncertainties in the U.S. that have that have slowed down some of the fundraising uh, around, yeah. you know, pure, you know, token raises and ICOs. I mean, do you do you see that having an impact on the, you know, the evolution of the the technology itself, or 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 the, the you know the willingness of of uh, kind of non investors to you know to to adopt applications? Well, here's the thing. I think. 
I think we're probably going to change from the ICO model of funding to more of a traditional equity model of funding. So, you know, if if my vision is correct and people are going to be building these kind of blockchain-enabled apps, well, guess what? VCs are going to enable are going to invest in these blockchain-enabled apps, right? Just like they invest in in all the other apps, um, and uh, and whether it's consumer or business, right? So. I think I think probably we move more to an equity model of funding, um, and you know our you know our token is going to be used on the blockchain. Yeah, the tokens are going to be used on the blockchain. Are they going to be bought and sold? Probably, you know. Uh, but ICOs, you know, ICOs could change, could be under more regulation. And it, it, I don't think it'll impact the amount of funding that goes into the blockchain at all. Uh, so the more the regulations, so I'm not particularly concerned about that. I'm more concerned about because, for example, for us, I think you know, two years from now, if we if we deliver on what we're doing, I think we get traditional equity financing. You know, I mean, I I I, I don't I don't see that as even if ICOs per se are impossible and you can't sell tokens through what they currently call a token generation event, it doesn't matter. Like, but I think the more interesting question is how, are, how is the government going to regulate when tokens become a mainstream method of payment, you know, <laughs> like how does that, you know, what, what happens there, you know? I don't think they've thought through that one at all. You know? <laughs> Agreed. No, I, I think a lot of a lot of very smart people are uh, are 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 trying to work some of these uh, these these issues out, and even you know even companies that are uh, funding themselves with uh, by by selling off some of their digital assets. I I have a friend who's a CFO at a uh, a very large. Uh, distributed ledger company that funds themselves by selling off a, a, a few million of their own uh, of, of the token that's that's held in their right. in their foundation and how how you account for that is I mean the, the their accountants uh, their auditors still haven't figured out how to address this so we're we're very much at the I, I mean I think it, we're, we're at the cusp of a lot of uh, still a lot of uh, you know unresolved challenges but there's I mean there it, it, it is incredibly exciting. I think what I think where this is probably likely to go is this. I think in the same way that you are required as a U.S. citizen right now to disclose any foreign bank accounts that you have, I could see a requirement to disclose any crypto accounts that you have, right? Because they're very much sort sort of like a foreign bank account. It's sort of that same thing. They're kind of international. They can be used for nefarious purposes. Potentially, you know, uh, and the government should know about them, right? And so, and you know, if you don't, it's a it's major it's a major offense, right? I think that is likely to happen, right? And I think that's a good thing. I think you know, I think we should, you know, if you if you have a, an account, disclose it. You know, um, you're not supposed to be hiding stuff from the tax authorities. So yeah. That's the first thing I would do. Um, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go to the point of every single transaction between people has to be between accredited investors. I think that is insane. Right. But, you know. Uh, 
and, and, and so, you know, that would be a very big negative if they sort of said, well, you know, and I'm very happy that they decided that Ethereum, for example, is not a security. You know, stable coins should not be securities, right? You know, if I transmit a stable coin uh, between A and B, it's not a security. It's, you know, I'm not buying it for the purpose of making money. I'm buying it for the purpose of using it within a network, you know? Yeah. Uh, so these, these things need to get regulated. Uh, but, you know, over-regulation of this stuff would be would be bad, right? Because there's, you know, it it, it there's clearly some huge advantages to being able to move around stable coins and so on very easily. So no question. So, well, let's. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, the last uh, last last question I had was was any uh, you know any resources that you might uh, might recommend for for people interested in uh, gathering a bit more uh, insights either into the space or, or or any 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 books that you like to uh, like to recommend. So not so much a book, but I would recommend the Netflix uh, uh, show Banking on Bitcoin. I think that thing is exceptionally well done. There's a bunch of uh, interviews with some of the uh, the early, you know, members of the, you know, behind the Bitcoin. And I really, really like that uh, that series on Netflix, Banking on Bitcoin. I thought it was excellent. And I think if you're new to the space, I would recommend that uh, as a as a way to really understand the history of where we went, at least. Great. Well, that's that. That's a great recommendation. And and, and with that, I think we'll we're going to wrap up, Fred. It's been uh, enormously uh, illuminating. Uh, I really appreciate your your insights. As fascinating as always, and uh, of course, exciting being at the the nexus of of all of these uh, evolving, emerging, and and ex uh, kind of explosively transformative technologies. Uh, that, with that, everyone, uh, all listeners, this has been uh, Fred Kruger's. CEO of Workcoin. I'm Ed McGuire, uh, and thank you again for listening. We'll have uh, we'll have show notes up, and it, as always, if you have any comments or questions, you know, please uh, please send them our way. Thanks again, Fred. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast. We rely on feedback, comments, and input from our listeners. So please interact with us by going to our LinkedIn page, our Twitter accounts, or email us at edge at momenta.partners with any suggestions, guest ideas, or commentary. We really value your input and appreciate your listening. Thanks a lot. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner, with Momenta Partners.